Hey, what's going on, guys? My name is Kenneth Jackson. I am an actor from Atlanta, Georgia. And I'm Trey Riley. I'm a writer, director from the Charlotte, North Carolina area. And this is Cinevibes. Today on Cinevibes, we will be looking into Knives Out, a 2019 film, and perhaps one of the last movies you saw in theaters. Mm-hmm. At yep. a runtime of two hours and ten minutes, this is a murder mystery story that has a ensemble cast that is amazing. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, they uh, Ryan Johnson, director, writer producer my man's all over the place um and then like he said star-studded cast uh fantastic this was actually the first film i, I truly recognized and saw anna de Armas stand out like i'm that was the first time i had seen her and then like once i saw her name i just started like looking back through movies i had seen that she was in and i was like wait she was in 2049 and I was like, yeah. she was the AI? And I was like, no way. I didn't see that coming. Uh, but also, it's got my favorite, one of my favorites, Lakeith Stanfield. Like, I'm definitely watching that guy heavily. And Jamie Lee Curtis, solid stuff, of course. Like, it's always fun to watch. Daniel Craig, Chris Evans. I mean, solid performances, definitely, for both of them. Absolutely. We... We don't see a lot of films like this where they have so many stars that one, it's an original story. It's not some type of sequel or trilogy or, you know, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And then two, that is good. Like (laughs) a lot of times you have like, I don't know, Valentine's day or new year's Eve, like those movies where all the stars come in and Mm -hmm. their lives like, bounce around together and they run into each other yep um but like this is just a solid story like well-crafted screenplay the writing is smart and it's not trying to be anything more than it is actually a lot of times it's making fun of itself yeah. and kind of playing in a trope genre and yeah i want to talk about that a little bit more later um mm-hmm. but yeah it's just a really smart story and as we were talking about beforehand, uh, Ryan Johnson was coming off of a goose egg and really <laughs> redeemed himself here. Yeah, that I, I told uh, told him I was like, I, I don't know, you know, going into this movie, it was definitely a um, weary experience for me because I was like, Ryan Johnson just coming <laughs> off of what was it, Last Jedi? I was like "Ah, let's see what else this guy's got which I was excited to see this because it was not Star Wars that he was trying to direct I was like let's see what he does outside of the franchise and honestly this was probably like I I know Ryan Johnson he's very well known like for his previous work Looper, Brick that sort of stuff but I'd never really you know looked into him too much and he was a very good director just my first experience of watching him was that and i it was the uh star wars movie <laughs> right right yeah so, that's uh, not a great one to start with so it was definitely touchy going into that yeah and you know i think you know i don't know how he felt but i would imagine as a director myself on some level you're trying to like bounce back after that and he might be really proud of the movie you know i haven't really watched that many interviews about how he felt about star wars but you know he he probably thought that there was something to prove here and he thought he had a worthy story to tell and again you know the freshness of it because in this genre like sherlock holmes is king and while obviously this has those influences as well as a bunch of other like Agatha Christie type novels Mm -hmm. and those things, um, murder on the Orient express, things like that. He, he really took all that and kind of made his own amalgamation 
of those types of tropes and put out this story. And um, yeah, one yeah. thing, you know, that because I, I mentioned to you that you know, there's a second one that's been tentatively slated. Mm-hmm. And we we're talking about, well, it's probably just going to focus on Daniel Craig, mm-hmm. his character, you know, following him solving crimes type of thing, murders. Yep. Another and, murderous family. <laughs> which I would like to see. And this is what I was trying to get around to is that the the thing I love most about this story is that it's isolated to this home primarily. Mm-hmm. And it really allows you to explore the characters. You're not caught up in the world or like where they're at. Yeah. And you can hone in on this family dynamic and all the little nuances behind the scenes and that everything is not quite right. Mm-hmm. And um, Blanc is immediately picking up on all this and just like sniffing them all out. And it's yep. just really fun to watch. Yeah. I Should we go ahead and throw out the spoiler alert? Um, <laughs> because if you haven't seen the movie already, I apologize. <laughs> it's been a year. But uh, yeah, my guy kills himself and it's revealed in the first... 30 minutes you know it's revealed that he is his own killer and that he put all of this stuff into place to uh, pretty much i don't i don't know his family essentially yeah it, it was it was really a setup honestly and like even him he was a mystery writer yeah like yeah he was a mystery writer and so his final act was literally to be in his own <laughs> murder mystery. <laughs> exactly. So it's a story within a story. So it's like storyception. My mind's blown over here with that sort of aspect. And then it, yeah. you had mentioned like it, it makes fun of the genre. It makes fun of the, um, or not makes fun of it in a very comical ha 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 look at me. Right. But it, it makes fun of it in like poking fun at like other movies. Takes jabs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it also definitely is heavily influenced by like the you know, Agatha Christie's and Sherlock Holmes. Absolutely. Um, I I think some of the smarter moments in the story are when, and in all honesty, to pick up on these things, you need a second watch. Um, Because I actually rewatched it for my second time and you start picking up on, even from the beginning, when we don't know, again, spoilers, but mm-hmm. we don't know that, you know, he has actually committed suicide. Mm-hmm. All we know is that his nurse, which is Anna's character, has potentially mixed up the drugs and now she is facing, you know, the potential of getting thrown in jail or yep. her mother um, deported. Yep. And early on within the first like 30 40 minutes there's so many little things on the second watch you're like oh yeah like that's pointing to who it was mm-hmm. that's pointing to who it was and um it, it's not trying to be and this is the thing i love most it's not trying to be sneaky or really like you don't know who has done it until mm-hmm. the end even though that's the type of movie it is yeah because it actually lays it all out pretty mm-hmm. clearly, but the way in which it ties it back together and the fact that there actually wasn't a murder until there was one, which, mm-hmm. you know, when you watch a film, you know what that means. It, it It's just interesting. I, I haven't seen that before. Yeah. I, I definitely loved that the story, it was, it, it, it did flash back and forth a lot with Blank uh, going through all of these different, um, like, telling the story on how stuff happened or, like, people telling their own stories. I mean, which made it fun seeing it from their perspective and seeing what they were doing in the house and what was going on. Very reminiscent of the older movie from Agatha Christie's um, Clue. 
right? So it was very reminiscent of that in the fact that, you know, you're, you're talking to all these characters and you're trying to determine who it was, right? And you're hearing all their sides on what they were doing and what was going on. And I, I thought that was extremely, like, nice to watch. Like, pl- like I thought I, uh, it was very pleasing. And, I mean, also talking about, you know pleasing i thought it was a very nice looking film too like i thought the cinematography was great um the cinematographer steve yedlin i believe that's how you pronounce that he did a fantastic Mm -hmm. job you know and i i remember watching a few videos on knives out i believe and talking about how they set up a shot and how they set up the lighting and everything and the depth that they go into and like that's what you look for in like a studio movie and that's what i loved so much about this one was it looked fantastic it looked solid right yeah you, you talk about how it looks and you have to acknowledge the production design because they're filming at this actual home so inherently from the start there's this level of realism and um richness to the story just from where they're at where they're interacting in these rooms and these elaborate hallways and just everything is screaming wealth like privilege all the things that come with that and that kind of melts together with the characters this family that we're focused on and mm-hmm. you really start to see kind of what they're made of and what they think they're entitled to and mm-hmm. that's where all the tension starts building is because you mentioned this it jumps around a lot there's actually one point and this is just an example but this happens throughout mm-hmm. um they're talking about because they're they're at this family gathering at the house for um, they're there for Harlan's birthday and it's his 85th birthday and depending on who's telling the story it's either the daughter with him mm-hmm. and they're blowing out the candles together or it's the son with him and they're blowing out the candles together mm-hmm. which is just a great way of visually showing us that they have some real issues behind the scenes and that everything is not quite as nice as they're telling this story to the, the detectives. Yeah. And that's just like a brilliant way to deliver a message because when you have a medium where you can use visuals and audio cues like that, um, that's just a smart move. And so I give Ryan Johnson really big props on that and doing that throughout with, um, even the blocking, you look at, you know, you've got these, you know, six to eight people in a room together and he's always creating this depth and like a triangular pattern back from the camera. So you can see everyone mm-hmm. and see what they're doing and how they're reacting to whoever's speaking. And, you know, the eye lines are perfect. And this is all really, really tough stuff to do. I mean, mm-hmm even trying to get two people talking to look right sometimes is difficult and they've got like six or eight flying off in these, you know, arguments and, um, it takes a lot of intricate. Yeah. That you just need to maybe as a casual viewer, you don't think about it, but it's a huge accomplishment. And another reason why I love this movie. Yeah. I think that I, I really enjoyed the, like and I think I definitely give Ryan Johnson props for writing as well in the fact that he uses a trope in it's not really a trope but it's a very very difficult thing to pull off and hard to understand but like the use of an unreliable narrator is something that I think is extremely interesting and I love seeing that in whether it's a book or in a movie and definitely in this movie an unreliable narrator who can you trust you know what I mean like who can you trust from the family when they're saying something and it comes back to all of their uh, all of their desires stem from money or the house or some of these different stuff from Harlan right from his death what am i getting and then they try to fabricate their story around making themselves look good and the other people look bad right 
And yeah. so it's very intricate the way he makes the the stories line up and the characters definitely like, oh, it's not my fault, right? I wasn't the one that did it. Yeah, I might have <laughs> argued with him. Maybe I told him to go, you know, maybe I, I wished him to die, but like I didn't actually do it, right? And yeah. so it's a lot of those types of things. And I believe it's like one of... Um, that's where the quote come from, comes from. Knives Out is whenever Daniel Craig's character is talking about the family wanting the house and the money and all this stuff. And so they're mm-hmm. literally like bloodthirsty for this sort of stuff and are willing to throw their family under the bus. And so throughout the entire thing, it's hard to tell because I think somewhere like towards the end or something like that i started like questioning the entire movie itself with its point of view and like what i saw and i was like uh uh, wait what like who what and then like it doesn't happen until the very end that you really get the full story of what happened right right you get a little inkling every now and then and i i love that about this film too is it gives you a little bit to go on every now and then right it doesn't give you the entire story yeah it tells you that he killed himself it was suicide yeah we got that but it doesn't say what happened with the bottles they got switched all this sort of stuff and it just goes down a rabbit hole of more questions that are raised yeah it it does a really great job of being ironic at the right times Mm -hmm. and really allowing us as the viewer to come along for the ride, make, you know, our own decisions, kind of guess at different moments, but then really not allowing us to forget the ultimate arc, which is that the irony of it all is he has outplayed his family. Yeah. And, you know, you could maybe question like well, why is that but at the same time all this money and privilege stems from him so he's kind of created his own monster and he's trying to destroy it mm-hmm. and the only way to do that is to ultimately kill himself and give all the inheritance and everything yeah away to someone that's not even part of the family but rightly the most deserving of everyone there yeah it was um and and it was extremely nice the way they worded it at the end and i think the dialogue in this movie was fantastic as well like that's something that not many people focus on but like many times in a movie and even as an actor like something i'm coming to realize and understand more is that a character doesn't just say lines a character Mm -hmm. doesn't just throw out things yeah you might improvise a line here and there and that line is meant to be in the same vein of what the character is feeling so it's not just like you know i hate you i'm gonna go eat a hot dog (laughs) right yeah it's not it's not like it's something completely opposite and a lot of the words and the phrases and lines and sentences are just chosen very well and it's written very nicely and i think that it adds a lot to the film in the fact that you know it's very very if i can use the term tight it's a very well put together film uh with the dialogue and that there's not really much fluff when it comes to things because everything said in the movie like you said you pick up on things the second way around and you start realizing the motivation behind people the second way around like the first time you interpreted it interpreted a first way like oh she's just tired from the party uh because she was like arguing with the guy and or arguing with their father about hey give me your money in your house right Mm -hmm. so you start figuring out all of that stuff and then when you finally realize who it is and who did it you're you're watching him the second time around like trying to pick up on clues and you definitely can feel the vibe the second time first time around chris evans seems like a guy that's just like a snotty brat (laughs) who just like doesn't care about his father at all and just is there for the money and then like when you watch it the second time you're like oh my god he's an evil genius right and talking about characters and kind of you know the the story that's built behind them um chris evans you know, his character Ransom, he doesn't even show up until 
probably a, a third or more into the movie. Mm-hmm. And so when he's introduced, it's already in a negative context. He's got the dogs jumping all over him, and we've already found out that you know these dogs, um, if they can like sense good and bad essentially. So that's another one of the things they use to kind of help move this story along is um, that um, instinct they have. And so you know he shows up. He's doing all the bad guy things. He's being a real jerk. He's um, you know, only there for the money or so it seems, despite what you find out is you know, him knowing kind of ultimately what he's tried to set up mm-hmm. here and, you know, it backfires on him. But I think it's just a really interesting thing to have this many characters and each one arguably has a unique, like, shtick about him. Mm-hmm. And if you just focus on Daniel Craig's character, Blanc, for a second... You know, he is this like American version of Perot and he's very silent and pointed when he speaks early on in the movie. Mm-hmm. But then by the end of it, he's just like unleashing all these things that he's like gathered and collected and like he's finally got it. And, you know, he's trying to put all the pieces together and solve the, the crime and, mm-hmm. You know, even from the beginning, it'd be interesting to watch this movie and just focus on his character, to be honest, because mm-hmm. when they are first in the house, kind of that night, that first night, they walk out on the patio and he's with the nurse and the other two detectives. One mm-hmm. of them is Lakeith. And as soon as they walk out the door, you see him look down and you don't know why he looks down mm-hmm. until the second time you watch it. Mm-hmm. And he's looking down because he sees the blood on her shoe. And he already knows at that moment that she was up there. And if anyone would have done it, not knowing any of the other things yet, it would have been her. Yeah. yeah. And so he waits, knowing this fact, to unpack the whole story and put all the pieces together because ultimately... You know, it doesn't end up being her, but that's just smart. It's mm-hmm. smart writing. It's smart camera work, blocking, um, you know, character direction. Uh, it's just you can't teach some of this stuff. And I, I literally can't give them enough credit. And the more things I learn about the movie – and the little nuances, the more I'm just like stoked and hyped up on it. Yeah. I think it was extremely well put together. Um, and I, I know there was, uh, there was a lot of like, I don't, I don't know if this was the movie that we were talking about, but there was a bunch of like, uh, him hawing about like, Oh, is it really good? Is it bad? Honestly? Like when I saw this, I was like, I think it was a good watch. I mean, it is worth the second watch. So it's one of those movies that warrants a second watch, right? And I think that's most um, whodunits and stuff. So you can go back, watch through it, and make, you know, pick up on the stuff. But I think visually and, you know, sound and, you know, acting wise, I think it is a very well put together film story wise as well. I think it's just very well put together. I think, you know, personally, like, I. I don't want to like give my score way too early, but I am. Um, <laughs> so therefore I'm not sorry. Um, is I would give it, I would give it a, an eight out of 10. I would say it's yeah. not a movie that I'm like, yo, I'm gonna watch this every month, like, or every week, like interstellar. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not going <laughs> to sit here and watch it over and over again. I'm gonna watch it once, twice, maybe a third time. If I catch it on a streaming service or something. Right. So, yeah, you know, for me, I don't watch a lot of movies two times, mm-hmm. mainly because I'm constantly behind on all the movies Taking I want to see. All of it, yeah. And so for me to watch a movie a second time, especially one that's over two hours, and this one's two hours and ten minutes, mm-hmm. it really says something. And beyond me deciding to watch it a second time, but enjoying it as much or more the mm-hmm. second time, that speaks volumes to the film and you know if we're throwing out scores i'm right there with you at an eight out of ten mm. and most of that anything that's lost 
is just from my own personal preferences. Yeah. With maybe how something was shot or a character not quite fully developing or something maybe not panning out exactly how I wanted. Yeah. But I can't discredit anything from like a story structure perspective mm-hmm. or uh, yeah, a dialogue perspective or acting. Like everyone does exceptionally well. There's a few characters that should have been developed a little more or they're kind of not needed at all. Like the mm-hmm. young boy. Yeah. I forget um, whose kid he is, but he, you know, he's just on his phone the whole time. And then he says like two lines and those are like mic drop moments. And it's like, well, like, why do we care about him? And we just don't know enough about that, right? him. You know, that could have easily been the daughter that we hear more about with the college tuition stuff. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, there's some minor things like that, but you know, it's nothing that, has me going out and protesting in the streets saying don't watch this movie or anything yeah it's not like there's anything like jarring about this film that was uh that warranted me being like ah this is terrible this is definitely something that i'm upset about like there was nothing that gave me that sense of yeah it's bad because of this reason or i'm gonna take this and give it a hit i mean there were a few and i think i give it the eight out of ten just personally because you know although i enjoy mystery uh movies i think that it was it was very interesting as a movie and i think as a story it's very well done and it does warrant the second watch but i think there's still like some element that it's missing in my personal opinion that just is not giving me the incentive to watch it again right like it's right it's right on the cusp of being like something that i'm like yo this is one of my favorites right can you put your finger on what that thing is um i don't know it could be like flying robots and guns but i don't (laughs) (laughs) it could be some form of uh like there's some like thematic or like story element that just i think would have like given it over the edge to something i really like whether it be like it's hard to tell you exactly what it is because it wasn't in there and also it's in my mind that it's just floating around in the aether but it's it's something that if it had just another element to it and i know that's hard to say with a movie that had like so many elements to it (laughs) it just seemed very and it it, for a good reason and this was why it was written that way very small in a sense Mm -hmm. like the stakes they were they were big it was a family wanting a house and it was about a girl about to lose her family and get deported right like it was definitely a lot of stakes there but it was very in the family you know what i mean and i think something like i'm not saying like yo you gotta find this guy's murderer or the world blows up in like a day right you can't it's nothing like that but it's more of like maybe it was an element of grandiosity that was lacking in a sense it was more of like oh i'm so invested in this family like it's not like oh i'm invested in this entire people that are fighting for freedom you know what i mean uh or like some form of element i think maybe was like missing for me was in the how much i cared about the family and the entire story itself right yeah i think it you know isn't necessarily trying to be a film about high stakes as much as about you know taking down the patriarchy mm-hmm. and kind of speaking more to some thematic things around um, privilege and you know wealth and some mm-hmm. of the common things that we often associate with that and the tropes mm-hmm. of the families that have those types of things. Yeah. And so, you know, yeah, it's not, you know, Spider-Man holding a fairy together with spider web mm-hmm. or everyone's going to die, but it's got the edginess of knowing that we need to learn something or mm-hmm. we can learn something from this movie and that, it kind of can teach us and 
you know, maybe that doesn't sound enticing and everyone's like listening like, oh yeah, like I can't wait to learn something. <laughs> Dig into that one. But um, it, it, <laughs> it just, it's got a lot of like relevant political things. Mm-hmm. Not like divisive, you know, you're going to you know, yell at someone afterwards because they don't you know, have the same beliefs type of stuff. But you know, it's relevant and talking about things that we're dealing with now. Mm-hmm. Even though it feels very dated, and that's mainly from the setting and the stylization of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's got some complexity there, which I do like. Mm-hmm. And but I can also see the perspective where it doesn't really have anything that's flashy about it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not trying to be a Mission Impossible or anything. Yeah. It's not trying to be in a really stylized like Wes Anderson film or anything. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I certainly can see that and valid point. It's, I, I think it might be the style, you know, that was with me is that I love the style. I, like I'm a very open person to stylized films. I love this film because it jumps between the modern day and also an old timey view, right? You got the, uh, you got Harlan Thrombey, who was a writer. He's very poetic. He's very, like, you know, the written word and very well-spoken and, like, the way he does things. You're just like, oh, my mm-hmm. God, he's enigmatic. He's a, just this figure you look up to. And then, like, he lives in this very grand house that is very ornate. And it's, you know, production design, like... David Crank, production designer, fantastic work on it because it really made you feel like you're inside a Victorian home, right? You're inside an old home that was just royalty, right? But then it also jumps between like present day. You see they're not driving buggies. They're not carrying lamps. (laughs) You know, they have cell phones, right? Yeah, it's that old school wealth. So it's, it's that... It, it really brings you into another world and I respect that and I love that because personally like I'll sit down and I'll watch a dated movie like um, Lighthouse just came out and that was definitely supposed to be back in the like 1800s or early 1900s mm-hmm. right? right it's very dated but I love that because production design fantastic the way they act same way yeah. like there was I love the production and the way that he set the you know, old and the new and the romanticized mm-hmm. versus the real world, right? That I love the dichotomy that he did in that. But well, also at the same time, I felt like it was kind of it it was it wasn't a walk in the park because you had to do work as a viewer to connect the dots. But it did seem a little like, you know, I wasn't on the edge of my seat very much at any point or another. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well I think that might speak to the point I made earlier about I wish it was all at the house. Right. Like when they leave the house, we go to the town and it's like, oh, okay, it's a town. There's just people doing whatever they're doing. Mm-hmm. There's you know, a hospital, whatever there is. Mm-hmm. But when you just compact all that into the actual estate property, mm-hmm. like that's where the meat and the goodness of it is. Yeah. And so when they leave that, it kind of, in my opinion, detracts from that element that feels very um, pointed and specific to what he's trying to do. Mm-hmm. So maybe that's kind of where you're at as well when something's all one way, such as the lighthouse or uh, Django Unchained, whatever, like a period piece or trying to be something specific. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it allows you to really stay fully invested. Yeah. Whereas this one, it's not a period piece, but it is. It gives the aesthetic dated. of it's. A, it's a lived-in setting. Yeah, and you know you lose a little bit of that when they leave. So yeah, I'm right there with you. Yeah, and I think that the uh, film in general, like I, I, I really do enjoy detective movies i love um watching sherlock and other such so i definitely enjoyed this movie in that sense but maybe maybe personal preference i like the the safties like the way they do things like whenever you watch a safty film you're like literally on the edge of your seat the entire time because you know if you watch like uncut gems which hopefully we 
uh, get to at some point. Like, you're on the edge of your seat the entire time. This movie, it kind of felt like, you know, and I, I respect that, is I could plop down with some popcorn and watch, you know what I mean? Like, I can enjoy it, yeah. right? Um, and a lot of other movies, um, not not a lot of other movies. It's a very uh, niche uh, craft in like being on your on the edge of your seat for most of a movie. Right, it's very Thriller hard to do mystery. Um, yeah, films. so it's it's hard to do, but I think in this movie, it's a very safe bet. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. if I'm ever like, oh, what's a good movie? Knives Out. You know what I mean? Yeah, because. When you walk away, you know what happened. Yeah. You feel satisfied. Open and shut. Yeah. You know, you're not left with any sort of loose ends, and sometimes you like loose ends. Mm-hmm. I personally enjoy a good loose end film, oh, loose yeah. ended film. Mm-hmm. Inception. And, um, <laughs> yeah, any Nolan <laughs> film, pretty much. But yeah, I think to the credit of this particular genre, a lot of those are a little more nifty in how they execute things to where you're a little more on the edge of your seat. But I'll be honest, I watched um, the newest Murder on the Orient Express. Yep. I fell asleep. I honestly, like, I kind of, I stopped watching halfway through. (laughs) It's such an amazing idea. It's, someone got killed on a train no one got on no one got off mm-hmm. who did it and i got bored mm-hmm. real quick yeah and you know i went to the theater to see it so i was thoroughly disappointed mm-hmm. so you know it doesn't do that it's a lot more interesting than that and that's yeah. a credit to the dialogue and the wittiness of mm-hmm. it but at yep. the same time it's not doing certain things that like the sherlock uh, actual tv series not even the movies but the series mm-hmm. do and you know some people might find that distracting or a letdown yeah i i definitely agree like when you mentioned that thing about the orient express i turned that off because i was like honestly i had seen the older (laughs) the older movie and i was like yo this is this is pretty dope and then i started watching the new one and i was kind of like yeah "Eh." you know it doesn't have the same are they the death on the nile or whatever it's called like it's Oh, okay. Um, it's the same you know, bunch. I think that's a Kenneth sequel Branagh to Kenneth Branagh is going to be the director again? Yeah, he's going to be, gonna be a Yeah. Mm, okay. Uh, that's going to be uh, a, so, a know, very fun film to watch. That's yeah, going to be fun to review. That's on the docket. That's on the docket knives immediately. Out on the docket. I'm Knives Out too, and I don't even want a Knives Out too. Right? Yeah, I feel like if another Knives Out uh, came out, I feel like it'd be another walk in the park. I feel like it'd be another like, oh, this is fun. This is great. I enjoy this. Oh, this is really cool. I didn't see that coming. Okay. And then watch it a second time. Grab your popcorn. You know, it's a very mm-hmm. like chill, laid back. Watch it. Oh my God. Like, you know, this happened. What? Right. Whoa. That's so insane. How didn't I see that coming? I um, think what they would need to do is like almost 180, the type of film they made the first time. Mm-hmm. And I don't think they would do that. Mm-hmm. I think they're going to go through the same style. To the the film, I think. Mm-hmm. I think it'll go through the same style of uh, film that was the first one. I think it's mm-hmm. going to be very much centered around um, Daniel Craig's character and a family dynamic of some sort i don't know some guy drives his car off a cliff oh my god what (laughs) happened oh it turns out he did it himself but then turns out his daughter was the leader of a drug ring and then she was like huge into the mob and like you know he was doing it to bring attention to her and teach her a lesson like Mm -hmm. i don't i don't know how they're gonna go about it but i feel like it's it may be in the same vein of this film right here and the only reason i say that is because if it's a knives out too it seems like it's gonna be the same if it weren't the same i feel like Mm -hmm. they would make a whole different name for it you know what i mean and despite blanc being an amazing character Mm -hmm. and i think this happens a lot in films is they don't always need a second film mm-hmm. you don't need to see them 
doing that amazing thing a second time mm-hmm. because it doesn't always translate the second time. And if the story doesn't need to continue, it doesn't matter how good the character was. And he's a great character, like that Southern draw and, mm-hmm. and Louisiana. Just, Daniel Craig pours all that into that, and it's amazing. But, like, I don't need another two hours of it. Yeah. You know? Like, yeah. I'd be like making – well, some people wouldn't agree with this, but making a second Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, mm-hmm. I would love it because those characters are amazingly developed. I actually wish the right. movie was like six hours long. Well, honestly, personally. like, did you see that they're coming out with a series for that? Really? They're, they're actually going to be doing the uh, TV series with, um, well, uh, it's probably not going to have Leo as the lead, but like they're doing a series on the uh, old Western that uh, Leo leo's character was in oh yeah 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 yeah. yeah. actually based on the show that he was a part of in the movie yeah not like the movie itself yeah 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 i think that could be really cool honestly mm-hmm. but you know that's that's that but you know a lot of people would argue that movie was too long and they didn't need to see that much of those characters and they were amazing characters mm-hmm. so that same idea here you know, the only thing we really would want to see again is Blanc, and I don't want to see him again. Right. I don't need to see him again. It was it was good the first time. Let's leave it at that. You know. Right. I definitely agree. And honestly, like let let me talk about Blanc real quick because I I noticed this in my first watch. Um, is that I'm a fan of like movies and you can't have the protagonist know everything you can't have the protagonist you know be all powerful you can't have the protagonist just defeat everybody that comes at him right and sees everything right unless you're captain marvel unless you're captain marvel um (laughs) and so like whenever it comes to action heroes john wick uh, or you got rambo or which like we can do the whole John discussion because John uh, starts with J and everything starts with a J. Mm-hmm. Anyways, um, <laughs> they they don't they're not in indestructible, right? Jason Bourne, he's not indestructible. He's a human, but he's very skilled, right? You know, Liam Neeson, Taken, he's a very uh, particular skill set. You know, it, 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 he's he's that vulnerable. That we needed to see two more times. Right. <laughs> so, like his character, I thought was very well written in the fact that he did not know everything. Like halfway or like three quarters of the way through, I was like, "This guy doesn't know anything," right? Mm-hmm. I feel I, at some point I felt like he kind of lost his train of thought right as a character i feel like he kind of you know he still had the hunch of anna's character being the killer Mm -hmm. but he he kind of he was missing a he he was missing a key point right almost blinded by her at the same time yeah um just like her general goodness compared to this terrible family yeah so he was very and i think that's where the character development comes in is that he was very conflicted with her because he was like she didn't do it she can't do it right she's so nice like like she doesn't deserve to be punished yeah so as a person he was like i there's something i'm missing he's like and i Mm -hmm. think the a quarter way through the film you're kind of like he's he's lost he doesn't have an answer he doesn't know what's going on right and even himself i think he starts beating himself up with like how can i not see this how can i not you know understand what am i missing right and then like it isn't until the very end where he starts going through you know that brings the entire family is where it really clicks Mm-hmm. And he's talking about donuts inside of donuts. And yeah. <laughs> just the like whole, he's the lost donut his mind, but like he's finally realizing <laughs> at the same time. So I feel like that was a very satisfying moment is whenever he clicked and found it all. And so that's one thing I loved about his character was that he did not know it all. He's a very right. smart guy. He's a very good detective. But he did not have all the answers. He did not know everything. And I, I, I thought that was a very good usage of it. You know, plenty of times in movies like John Wick, I'm rooting for John Wick. Like, how can you not beat him? You're like one of the most badass (laughs) guys ever known to mankind. You killed a man, three men with a pencil. Like, you know what I mean? 
Like you, you, you yeah. should be able to beat these guys, but you're taking hits and everything. And yeah. then I'm like, you do it because you're fighting and wanting them to get it. And so the best characters have flaws, man. Yeah, the the flaws of the characters, and I think that's where, uh, uh, Blanc, like his his flaw was just he could not find his answer, and he was looking yeah. for it so hard. His footing was. It was Shaking. lost. Like his his demeanor at the beginning, like the draw and having the everything all together and like knowing all the answers. No, yeah. that was lost and he was floating pretty much in the aether until finally Anna's character helped bring him back to ground level and yeah. he's like, Oh my god, there I mean, it is. He even mentioned and this is kinda the throwback to Sherlock Holmes, you know, Anna, he's always calling her Watson throughout the movie. Yeah. And so he kind of needed her, you know, to be able to put all this together and come to the conclusion. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you know, he might have just ended up out in La La Land, you know, yeah. wherever, like you're talking about. Honestly, like, it's very, very niche. And I think I've uh, heard a an interview with Ryan Johnson about why he wrote it this way. But the writing of her having a condition where she throws up anytime she lies. Yeah. Was the amazing cru- was the crux on why she was, you know, why Blanc wanted her around. One, mm-hmm. she's the lead suspect. Two, she's a lie detector. Yep. So it's kind of like she has to be in the story the entire time. So I I thought that was extremely like interesting and quirky about the story, but it was something that I was like, I'll accept it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's in that like, how much are you gonna give the film? Like, how much are you gonna like believe and be like, oh that yeah I could believe that. You know. Sure. I mean, it's out there that someone has a condition that they throw up anytime <laughs> they lie. But I'll take it, you know. Yeah, I'm not. And, I'm not like, oh, what the heck? I haven't that, seen this medical condition, WebMD. <laughs> that condition is used against her and to solve the mystery. Mm-hmm. So you know, a brilliant job of whether or not it's a thing or a condition or you know whatever it is, like finding this thing to give her character that you know appears to be a flaw in her abilities to not go to jail actually ends up becoming the reason why someone else goes to jail. Mm-hmm. And that's just a great juxtaposition of just a small thing. I mean, you know, who thinks of that? You know, I, I oftentimes when I'm trying to think of stories and plot lines and, you know, reference back to other movies, I'm like, things like, this where it's like the throw up lie detector okay well (laughs) i don't i don't know what happened but something happened to spark that in his mind he saw another movie someone he knows does that maybe it's just like all these little things you kind of wonder how they end up in storylines and Mm -hmm. you might never know but they're perfect yeah I, I definitely at the first time I was like that's pretty wacky and then you know now that I think about it I'm like definitely sets up for the entire film especially like the final scene when uh, everything's revealed and then Chris Evans character goes nuts you know yeah, and it was definitely something that was uh, you know you were like wait she lied and then like she throws up and you're like there we go that's what i'm looking for you know so i i thought it was very quirky but i think it was very acceptable you know i'm Mm -hmm. willing to divulge my or uh suspend my belief plenty to, uh, to believe something like that or disbelief and so yeah i thought overall eight out of ten good film i'd watch yeah. it again if i like you know if it happened to be on and i was like oh cool i'll just watch it and you know i might as well you know i that's literally is like i had to eat it with popcorn like that's all i can say is it's a yeah. film it's a solid film exactly and you know i don't know how long it'll be on amazon prime but currently it is on there to watch mm-hmm. if you haven't seen it i would recommend it but if you're listening to this then you already know everything so your second watch which would essentially be what it would be for you since you know everything you could see all these little things we're talking about and even if you know the whole plot 
like it's a fun movie to see once. Yeah. That's my ultimate takeaway. And I, I would easily recommend this to anyone. It's, you know, PG 13, it's playful enough in that sense that, you know, you could watch it with your family if you wanted. So mm-hmm. yeah, I, I have generally good things to say and, um, my closing thoughts on it would probably be that it stands out from some uh, genre that I generally don't get too into. Mm-hmm. And it also utilizes an ensemble cast in a way, especially star-studded, that I haven't seen in a while. And it felt very fresh. And I thought Ryan Johnson bounced back beautifully. Yeah. I think it was definitely uh, a really solid film in that it was uh, it's definitely well worth the watch and I would recommend it as to anybody who wants to see a good film like because you know all throughout whether it's color uh, design set design just the world building in general fantastic acting of course fantastic from some fantastic actors um, and then you know score writing uh everything it just was well-rounded fantastic great comeback from like you said the goose egg of (laughs) last jedi just you know i'm excited to see what he does in the future and where he goes from it and uh i'm excited for future films from him as well as those that worked on the film with him for sure yeah he's gonna be uh a name that we see a lot moving forward i'm i'm confident in that for sure if you want to and we want you to we would love to hear anything that you'd want us to watch and review you can send us an email it's going to be located on the spotify or on soundcloud where you're listening and the email is senatevibescast at gmail.com we want to hear from you guys if you have a movie you just want us to talk about Maybe we've seen it, maybe we haven't. We you know watch it and we do a review on it. So we want to do more of these and mix them in with our general talks and interviews with guests. So let us know.